Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 209. I'm back with... Bex! Hello! <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, still happy that isn't a smashing, crashing noise like it was before, so thank you for that. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Uh, so what have you been up to? You've only been a couple of weeks since you were last on, so... <laughs> yes, uh, well, nothing quite as exciting as the, the five weeks in Tokyo. Yes. That's kind of a hard a hard act to follow. I've been doing a lot of fighting with technology. Yes. Uh, my, my aptly named VR Oculus Rift computer and streaming rig Skynet um, <laughs> has been misbehaving herself again. Right. So that was quite cunning. There's nothing like deciding you're going to start Twitch streaming and um, turning on the machine to check if everything works and finding out that there's a, a, a passcode to get into the desktop when you didn't set one. <laughs> ah, yes. So that was nice. <laughs> Skynet deciding to block itself off from its owner. Yes. Yes. So the it singularity may occur yes. any minute. Um yeah, it was a big Windows update or something had somehow confused the system because it had been turned off for ages. Right, And yes. uh, it, it just sort of went, enter your password. And I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> I'll be reinstalling Windows then. Right, <laughs> yes. Had to, to reinstall Windows and get everything working again so I could start with the Twitch streaming, which has been quite an interesting experiment. Um, yes. It's quite a lot of fun. I caught your first stream. It was most entertaining. Yeah, it, it's it's quite a lot of fun. And it's, uh, it's, it's lovely to be able to have that direct interaction with the, the community and things. And because it's, it's it's a little bit like podcasting, but they can see your face when you look confused because everything's broken and um, <laughs> they can directly ask you questions back. And that, yeah, I, I've watched some other people doing it before, but that was my first go at doing it myself. So, yeah, that's been that's been quite exciting and quite good fun. It, it's the third one just ended up divulging into um, a massive conversation about Arnie movies. Right. OK, of course. Why um, not? Because I'd been to the charity shop and the charity shop had these three DVDs for a quid. Bargain. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I obtained a lot more DVDs, um, <laughs> including a comic copy of uh, Demolition Man, which I've been desperate to watch for months. I haven't seen Demolition <laughs> Man in ages. It turned out that the uh, the disc was actually region one, so I still haven't seen Demolition oh, Man no. again. <laughs> I was like, no, standing outside in the rain, you know, all very dramatic. Um, copy of Transformers, the movie, picked up a copy of that. Nice. Um, yeah. And then we were just talking about like, loads of Arnie movies and realised how many good Arnie movies there are. 
how many good science fiction films he's been in. It's, yeah. it's when you start listing them, you suddenly start saying, that's actually a lot of good films. Yeah, he has been in a surprising number of, of uh, decent films, considering he also had a secondary career as governor of California for a while. He, he managed to pack quite a lot in before he did that. Yeah, it was quite good to sort of have that trip down memory lane before I was theoretically going to watch Demolition Man, but then I wasn't because it was a Region 1 DVD, and I went, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite good fun. And it's quite good to realise how many Arnie films I want to watch again. Running Man, haven't seen that in ages. Yes. No, I haven't seen that in a very long time. That's a good film. Um, Total Recall. Yes, oh, that's a good need film. need to watch that. That's a, that's a very good film. Yeah, the, the, the list origin- just kept growing. The original Arnie one, not the remake. <laughs> yes. Well, the remake, I'm assuming, was kind of a, a second adaptation because it was far closer to the book, but just wasn't very good, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah it All was, these times yeah. you're like, I wish this film was more like the book. And then you're like, I preferred the film that wasn't anything like the book <laughs> yeah that, uh, we will remember you it for you wholesale is the is the book right and, uh, yes the arnie movies way less accurate but way better it's more fun i think the the arnie one the second one actually was all right it was fine but it didn't have all the kind of classic stuff that you had out of the arnie one the arnie yeah. one had had a lot of really kind of cool scenes and stuff and yeah, it was much just better. better better cast and better acted and it, it actually the more i talked about it and the more i thought about it the clever that film and the way they cast it actually is yeah and it had loads of standout moments it's highly quotable as a film yes you know, if you go to anyone that's sort of like of our kind of age and say two weeks <laughs> it's up there with multi-pass isn't it as a, a thing yes. you can say and I can't remember a single line from the, the second film no I can't remember which character's which because they all look the same yeah, yeah no, it didn't have any anything it felt like it was a very safe movie with mm. safe cast and and lots of money being thrown at something without any real regard for the end product, which was a shame. Which was a yeah, shame. the first film was fairly iconic, and I think making a new version of it wasn't really worthwhile. No, well, not unless they were going to do something good that was the, the plot from the book, because the first Arnie film was so so yeah, different. And the, I mean, it the, needed the, it needed to be good. That's all it needed to be was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they missed unfortunately on that one. Yes, some nice visual effects, and they had the tunnel going through the, the planet which is in the book which wasn't in the, the Arnie one but right, yeah. yeah things like that, that you haven't thought about in a while and you sort of go actually no that's amazing and I wouldn't have uh, gone down that long trail of thought for an hour and a half or whatever it was we were talking about <laughs> Arnie movies for yeah and um, then of course you've got all the Terminator movies uh, particularly Terminator 2 yes well one of the best sequels ever made yes I stand by that one of my favourite sequels ever yeah didn't feel like cash in at all wonderfully evolved it they, they sort of dropped off a bit after that but but Terminator Just, 2 which, that's a polite way of putting it yeah. yes which is which is why I'm quite interested for the new one because the new one has Linda Hamilton back and is James Cameron again and it's it's supposed to be the direct sequel it's basically Terminator 3 so well the TV show was good I've forgotten the name of it Sarah Connor Chronicles yeah the Sarah Connor Chronicles that yeah was, it that had was the lady good. from Firefly as the, the Terminator yeah and uh, wasn't Lena Healy I think was the was Sarah Connor in that version I think yeah that had some really good moments um, I didn't see the whole the whole thing but some of the bits I caught I I thought were really nicely written and sort of took it off in some different directions so that yeah. was interesting so 
they can they can do more. It's a very interesting world. Yeah, more can be made from it. Just not if they not if they go in the direction they did with some of those later films. Um, yes, <laughs> but yeah. So lots lots of that. So I've been watching old stuff again. That's basically what's been happening. <laughs> I've been drawn back into watching old, much older films, sort of eighties and nineties films again, yeah. um, which is quite good. I watched Iron Sky again, which was a Kickstarter science fiction film. Ah, cool. Um, which is a alternate now where some some Nazis are living on the dark side of the moon who don't know the war's over. <laughs> of course. Well, why not? And uh, they aren't necessarily all the bad guys. It's not a, it's, you know, there are good and bad on both sides because they come down and uh, they have to deal with then the modern world and what's going on here. And um, <laughs> it's, it's very funny. And uh, yeah, all done on Kickstarter in the same kind of style as um, Kung Fury was, where it's all CGI, all green screened. Right. Interesting look. I think they're making a second one of it. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else did I watch? I rewatched some uh, some old Marvel things. I went back and watched um, Thor and Thor Two and Ragnarok again. Ah, uh, yes, I saw some of Thor because it was on TV recently, and I uh, I caught some of it. It's, it goes to show you how much Thor has evolved as a character throughout <laughs> those films. If you when you would watch that first one again and look at where he ends up in Endgame, and yeah, mm. probably the most evolved character out of all the uh, the Avengers, I would say. Well, Loki's changed a lot as well not that i talk about loki a lot but <laughs> you look you compare his character when they introduced him as kind of yeah, the, the, a lovable bad guy and then you look at him in Ragnarok, where he is the voice of reason and he's trying sensibly just trying to make friends with the person in charge of the planet so they can get off it later and thor's just like that's my brother and he's just like uh, 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 yeah. shush, you're ruining things yes and he's being playing the sensible businessman yes um as well as quite a bit of comic relief at the beginning um yeah, I do like how they are willing to to play with and change the characters and grow the characters, and uh, it's good seeing that evolution. Yeah, it is. They they do such a good job with those. I'm uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where they go next with the whole MCU because we're we're in a bit of a MCU lull at the moment, but there mm. are some more films coming. It's uh, just they are taking a little bit of a break, which is understandable after after Endgame. Yeah, I think they they definitely need. I think a lot of the fans probably need as lot of people were leaving the cinema pretending not to be crying <laughs> yeah. after that one so they they need a bit of a, a rest as well i haven't seen spider-man yet no i haven't got to it yet either I, I do want to watch it i do really want to watch it but um i'm i'm terrible for getting out to the cinema so i will uh, i will try and go and see that i haven't seen toy story either and that's the other thing that i could do with going and seeing really yeah i've not seen that either people are saying quite good things about it yes yes they've um, both got pretty solid reviews so uh I'm, yes those are the two things that i do need to go out and see because i haven't been there awesome i'm trying to think what else i've done i've been doing some adventuring out in the outside world um <laughs> which is always good in 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 the sun yes um remembering what what the countryside looks like trees grass <laughs> those things you normally just see in the backgrounds on fantasy shows there yes that kind of stuff so that's that's been quite good and i went out to the the joypad bar retro gaming event the other week cool. in central london which was nice lots of indie games and uh, retro games and some more um mega drive games written entirely and on on actual mega drive cartridges but new games oh wow by more indie guys them. so yes yeah because obviously there was Tang tanglewood was there yeah uh, but he'd brought some friends of his who also write mega drive games wow um including <laughs> a-, a nice scrolling shooter i've temporarily forgotten the name of that was um pretty damn cool uh so that, that was pretty cool to see that's awesome i didn't realize yeah. there were more of them i mean the tanglewood thing was kind of fairly unique but i'm i'm glad there are a, 
other people doing it. That's cool. Yeah. And hopefully with the attention that Tanglewood got, then more of those people will get noticed and maybe we'll have some more games written for original hardware. Yeah, that would be very cool. What have you been up to? Um, Mainly, apart from a little bit of gardening, so it, my garden looks less like a jungle, um, mainly TV watching. The three sort of shows I've been doing on rotation this week, apart from all the sort of regular things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that sort of stuff. Jessica Jones, which of course mm-hmm. started fairly recently, and uh, I was... I. I sort of didn't get a chance to jump onto it straight away so i'm working through that at the moment i'm on episode 10 it's was it matt who was on last week saying it has the usual problem of it being three episodes too long um which is right. the same with all those marvel series and i kind of agree with him i mean it's not dragging particularly but it's very good i mean i am enjoying it but you do watch it with thinking you could have chopped a little bit out there and let you know you could have chopped this down by a few episodes and it still would have worked absolutely fine but uh, that's been really good i'm on episode 10 at the moment i'm waiting to see how it ends and see whether they wrap it up reasonably well stranger things of course started uh, about halfway through that at the moment um i'm really loving this season i think they've they've done a brilliant job they're servicing the female characters a lot better than they have done in previous seasons this year mm. there's a lot more stuff for l which is uh, millie bobby brown's character and the um other sister who you know the younger character that joined last season i think they're servicing the younger female characters quite a lot better than they have done previously which is great and uh, years and years is the other thing which i finally got around to watching i've been kind of building myself up to that because everybody tells me it's brilliant but also kind of depressing as well and it's it's a really odd mix this is uh, russell t davis's um latest drama that went out on the bbc a few weeks ago it's essentially based around the idea of, of sort of using the current political landscape as a starting point and then kind of imagines what could happen moving forward from there so there's bits of future tech in it there are our characters that are trying to become transhuman so uh, mm. our talking about sort of uploading themselves to the cloud and uh, um, replacing sort of body parts with cybernetics and stuff. So that's the sort of thing with the younger generation. There's a lot of stuff about the sort of politics and where sort of politically the world is heading and, and that sort of stuff. It's brilliantly written. It's actually quite funny. In a lot of places, it's got very much got that sort of Russell T. Davis humour to it. It's also unbelievably bleak in places um, (laughs) as well. And it's this weird mix of, that was quite funny, but this is quite depressing. Uh, That sounds up my street, so I will have to start watching this one. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. If you're worried about the the future of the country, or or if you're worried about where the future is heading and uh, how the world might turn out for the younger generation, you might not want to watch this because it it really does paint a very bleak picture of the future. But um, it's interesting. It's very interesting, very different. Uh, I've got a couple of episodes left to go in it it's exactly what russell t davis does so brilliantly well uh i mean he was he was great on doctor who but if you look at some of his other work uh particularly things like second coming which was uh, a, a thing about the second coming of christ uh, which he did with christopher eccleston before he became doctor who mm. it's very much in in that sort of vein of that kind of mini series of taking sort of real life and putting something slightly more fantastical in it and it's he just 
just does it so so well uh it's really interesting and uh thoroughly engaging but like i say be warned it is a little bit depressing as well so uh interesting interesting series i'm i'm very much enjoying that have you watched any of the more recent because there's another series of black mirror came out that i've not watched yet i've watched the first one um which was was good uh i, I enjoyed the I first hear hesitation yeah um i to, to, the, to the extent of i can't actually remember it particularly well which is probably not a good sign yeah i have watched the first episode of it and i it, it wasn't a particular standout one for me i've got to do the second and third ones i'm sort of trying to get through stranger things and jessica jones first before i jump into that and i've got a whole list of things that i need to there's there's things like sneaky pete on amazon prime i need to go and watch and so there is a whole backlog of stuff which i need to catch up on but uh yeah you go on holiday for a for a couple of weeks or you go away for a couple of weeks and and then it things pile up so <laughs> so uh, yes i have a backlog of things to get through but uh yeah those are the three that i've been doing so far so that's all the stuff we've been up to let's move on to some tv and film news TV and film news this week, uh, starting off, as always, with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, first one is a cancellation. Ransom has been cancelled after three seasons. Uh, this was a sort of uh, crime drama thing. It ran on Universal over here. Um, it was one of those that is financed by like four different broadcasters in four different countries. And uh, those are always a bit tricky to get renewals on. And it basically sounds like they've kind of somebody must have dropped out somewhere because it's it's a financing issue so they've decided they're not going to make any more of it so that's that's finishing after three seasons we've got Peaky Blinders which is coming back soon we don't have the exact date for it but that's coming back soon on BBC One which I'm very much looking forward to but uh, on the 18th of July at Birmingham Town Hall there is going to be an exclusive world premiere that's uh, Thursday the 18th of July you can be in with a chance to uh, win tickets for that um, there's sort of a lottery thing going on. So uh, if you go on to geektown.co.uk, there is a post on the website. You can find a link on there that will take you through to where you can uh, win tickets for that or, or be entered into the draw to uh, the lottery draw to get tickets to to go and see that if you uh, want to give that a go and you are around Birmingham. I hopefully will be going along to that as well. So that should be very cool. Sky One has picked up the NBC drama Manifest finally somebody has picked that up uh tuesday the 30th of july that's going to start airing this is the one about the uh the airplane which uh takes off lands a couple of hours later and it's only been like a few hours for the people on the plane but it's been like five years for people on the ground when they land mm. so that's the sort of basic premise of it and uh, things move on from there so it's sort of got a sci-fi supernaturally thing going on yeah so that's kind of like all these ones where you see where people return after having been lost but from the point of view of yes. the people having been lost and them not seeing the difference in time because normally these kind of setups are it's been 20 years and they've come back and they've not aged yes and this is this is the reversal of that premise i guess yeah it's, it's similar in that you know with a lot of those things where people have come back in time or or they've come back from the dead or you know so they don't exactly know what's going on whereas this is sort of the planes assumed lost at sea and then they return and they're going well what's the problem you know i was only gone a few hours 
hours. I've la- my flights landed, and suddenly it's five years later. So uh, it looks really interesting. Stars Josh Dallas, who you will know from Once Upon a Time, played Prince Charming in that show. Uh, that's he's the one of the main leads, but it's sort of a big ensemble cast. So uh, yeah, looking forward to finally seeing that because uh, I hear reasonable things about that, and it's been renewed for a second season already. So uh, that's one to look out for. Thirtieth of July, that's airing on Sky One. It looks as though Chicago Med might be moving from Universal in the UK to Sky Witness. That's not officially confirmed by Sky, but that's what we're hearing. I don't actually watch personally any of the Chicago series, but uh, it's always been a problem in the UK because Chicago PD airs on um, one of the Channel 5 channels, Chicago Med aired on Universal, and Chicago Fire aired on Sky Witness. So it was always a pain because those three shows have quite major crossovers. And they they never time them all to run at the same time. Yeah, it's a shame they couldn't do some kind of package yes. deal to get them all in one place because people will want to watch more than more than one series. Yeah, it could be a case of um, they don't allow Channel Five or they rank up the price for Channel Five to renew Chicago PD, so they can't afford to buy the next season possibly, and they manage to get all three in one place. This basically seems to be happening because Comcast now own Sky. And what that means is Comcast are also owners of NBC, who run Chicago Med, Chicago Chicago Fire, the whole Chicago franchise in the US. They also own Universal. So it means that they now own Sky Witness and they own Universal Channel, which allows them to be able to take it off the Universal Channel and move it onto uh, Sky Witness. That seems to be what the case is, because Universal is effectively a Sky Channel now. So hopefully they'll get hold of PD as well and uh, what everybody has been wishing for all the Chicago fans are wishing for is that all three actually end up on one, in one place which would make sense given that they're their shows it would make sense if they could run them all together but we'll have to wait and see what happens with PD yeah because it would help their viewing figures to be able to well yeah that's it this is why people don't, watching their crossovers this is what I don't understand with Chicago with um, Channel 5 is they always run it around the summer whereas Sky Witness run fire much earlier and universal run med around about the same time usually so there's not usually too much of a problem between those two but pd has always been a real pain because for some reason channel five run it miles and miles away from the rest of them i I don't understand why they do that because you get more viewing figures if you ran it close to when sky witness run you know the main show or the first show which is chicago fire so i've never really understood why they do that it makes no sense apart from the fact that it's Channel 5 scheduling and as we've said many times before I'm fairly sure they schedule while they're drunk so um, <laughs> we'll see what happens with PD it could be that they, there is a deal coming for PD as well but we don't know at the moment uh, and that isn't official news from Sky Sky are refusing to comment but that is sort of what we're hearing on the grapevine might be happening so uh we will wait and see for an official announcement. But uh, yes, looks like Chicago Med is moving to Sky Witness. Over on Channel 4, Travel Man, the Richard Ayoade series, is no longer going to be the Richard Ayoade series. He's decided that he's packing it in after four or five seasons, I think. Uh, and Joe Lysett is going to be taking over. Not a show I particularly watch, but I know there's a lot of people very upset because like Richard Ayoade is so unique. 
that he's sort of the person that makes that series. And Joe Lycett is a perfectly reasonable comic, but yeah, it's not the same level of kind of strangeness that you get from Richard Iowardi. I mean, whoever you replaced Richard Iowardi with, they would not be yeah, him. Exactly. He's a very distinctive and, and wonderful, quirky character. Quite a Marmite presenter, I would think, for some people, but most people... Most people love him and will watch a show because he's in. I don't think I know Lysette. Is he on a lot uh, of the, the he, comedy shows? Yeah, he does a lot of those panel shows and stuff. And yeah. uh, his stand-up's quite funny as well. And, it, you know, he's he's perfectly good, funny comedian. I, he's just not Richard Iowardi. And that's sort of a problem, particularly when that show is so tightly attached to Richard I you know I, I so I, I can see why people are upset about it but uh, yeah I mean it's happening that's what they're doing it may be that it all falls flat on its face and they don't renew it afterwards but we'll have to wait and see uh, it was Richard's decision to to not do it anymore he's not like he's been fired or anything he just decided he didn't want to do it anymore so yeah. well, it's presumably quite a demanding schedule. I would I would imagine so yes because it's a lot of travelling and stuff and if yeah. he wants to do other things because he has directed in the past and of course he acts as well so uh, you know if he wants to do other stuff it's if you've got to block out a huge chunk of time to do those travel stuff it's probably quite difficult to schedule so i don't know what else he's doing but i can see why he maybe wants to pack it in uh and um if you want to go and check out the geek town website there are a few trailers and uh, images up there you can go and look at uh four weddings in a funeral limited series from mindy caitling there is a trailer for that up there that's a tv version of the uh, classic movie which is is nothing to do really with the film other than it has four weddings and a funeral in it as a TV series. Uh, it's a sort of limited series, so it may be one season, but they had talked originally about it, it being some sort of anthology, so the cast will change each season and each season will have four weddings and a funeral so it's basically a romantic comedy series that happens to use the name more than anything else it did look quite funny though the trailer so you know worth a look there are some first look images from netflix the witcher up on there as well which uh looks pretty good i thought there's pictures of um henry cavall as Geralt up on there and a few of the other characters so uh, that's worth going to look at and uh first images of klaus bang who is the man starring as dracula in the new gattis and moffat version of dracula the people behind sherlock who are doing three episodes well they're sort of three movie length episodes like two hour feature episodes of uh, a new version of dracula which is coming probably later this year maybe early next year yeah. um Interesting. Do we know if that's based off older movies and older TVs or if that's I, based I, off the book? I think it's a mixture of, of everything. Um, the images look great. It, it seems to be very much in the vein of the classic sort of uh, hammer horror kind of look of Dracula. It's very much more in, you know, it, it's not like they've messed it around and put it in modern day. It seems very much in the traditional sense of Dracula. So um, it could be really good that it's uh, it's got a really great cast and and Gattis is such such a huge horror nerd that I think they will do a really good job with that I can imagine they're going to want to do sort of proper kind of hammer type justice to it I suspect so uh, it looks really good that uh, but there are images up on the website if you want to go and check those out moving on to some bigger news stories Netflix officially has ordered a Neil Gaiman The Sandman series finally somewhere 
it is actually getting on screen, having been stuck in development hell pretty much since it came out as a comic book, actually. Pretty much a difficult series to adapt. Yes. Um, and that's always been the problem, of course. I do know the comic book particularly well. I, I don't think I've ever actually read it. I have most of the comic book in I'm singles, sure you do. and I yeah. have the graphic novels, and I've read the Death Spin off series. <laughs> and, and in fact, I've read most of everything Neil Gaiman's ever written books and comics. So for me, it's quite exciting news. <laughs> but it's also a, a source material that's very, very close to my heart that I've been reading and involved with since it came out and started being published by Vertigo back in the day. So there's going to be quite a lot of weight of expectation on this. Yeah. And it is a because it takes on, for those who, who might be new to the series, it takes on the embodiment of things like dream delirium, death, and so forth, those kind of characterizations you think of, but they're quite different than, you know, the Grim Reaper or the Sandman and things. They are um, very much his own takes on them and they're very relatable, complicated characters, but also it's quite a visually unique book um so yeah. the same as when we were talking about the umbrella academy getting yes. adapted and that had some very unique visuals they kind of made it all more human and realistic for the umbrella academy and i thought they did that that well sandman i think is even harder to move away from the the visuals um element because it is very dreamlike in places so it could be amazing and i think netflix is the correct place yes to put something that's a little bit left field like this um yeah, I'd love to see this work on the screen. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. On a, on a side note, of course, had you not decided to go to Japan, you could have come to the Good Omens premiere with me and met Neil Gaiman. But, you know, I'll just put that out there. Just hang on, hang on. Let me just hand you some more salt to put in that <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I haven't seen Good Omens yet. I, I, need, I need to watch it. I think I'm partly just in sulk because of that. <laughs> you could have also met Terry Gilliam as well. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, because you hate me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I would have that... done this really kind thing if you weren't halfway around the world oh that's nice of you just keep mentioning that it's yeah. fine you know, well, <laughs> your, your decision to fly off to uh, to, to Tokyo you know you not, see that like nobody, it was planned nobody forced you anyway yes my, so, my credit card purchase did <laughs> so yeah I mean the uh, I'm very much looking forward to this because I do really like what he's been doing on screen recently uh, particularly with things like American Gods and Good Omens which was absolutely brilliant and for those of you that don't know the Sandman comic books, as as Bex kind of explained, it's a sort of dark fantasy. It's uh, based around Morpheus, who is the Dream King, described as uh, it follows him as he mends the cosmic and human mistakes he made during his vast existence, is, is how they're pushing it. But it includes these various other sort of characters, which are, are sort of godlike, I guess, or they're... They're, yeah, they're like a dysfunctional family, but they're all the embodiment of different ideas yeah and they all have their own characters and uh, they're all very interesting things like there is uh, one called delirium who is loosely based on tori amos the singer who's friends <laughs> of neil gaiman and has her kind of colorful hair and things she has a backstory where she used to be delight and what changed in the world to cause the world to need delirium instead of delight right yeah there's a lot of kind of metaphorical existential stuff going on but yes. told through these modern fairy tales following these relatable almost godlike characters who are just as flawed. I guess sort of in the way, you know, the Greek and Roman gods were, were flawed and the ancient Egyptian gods were flawed. Yeah. Those kind of things. And he does that thing that kind of thing very well as you've been watching the American gods and things. It's, yes. um, yeah. Yeah, really interesting ideas. I, I think that's gonna be uh, really quite interesting. It's described as ordering ten episodes plus one. So eleven episodes <laughs> of that, that maths would indicate that's eleven, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. 
it's it, it's described as 10 episodes plus one so i'm wondering if maybe they're going to do 10 episodes plus a special of some description maybe they're going to release something at like a, a christmas thing or i don't know so i'm not i'm not entirely sure why they've listed it that way but yeah that's i mean how my brain it. would really like that to mean 10 episodes plus one that was focused on death yeah um, i mean maybe maybe it that, is that. that they did multiple limited miniseries based around the character of death who's a um, can't think why i liked her growing up but she's a she's a goth teenager no idea why, why i liked her at all no didn't utterly get my fashion sense from her as a 15 year old and she's but she's very sort of personable and nice and and um sort of matter of fact and and is, is a very nice yeah so um, maybe... person to come and kind of pick you up and yeah they'd spun her off right so yeah. part of my brain says oh well if they're doing a sandman maybe they'll do that i mean that's the other interesting thing of course is is that was it where constantine and lucifer were introduced was it in that run off the top of my head i'm afraid i i can't remember because i read all of the sandman things then um all of the the death comics and then i sort of branched out and went around from there i didn't necessarily read them in chronological order right okay certainly constantine who people will know from the version that's on legends of tomorrow played by matt ryan and and the individual tv series played by matt ryan uh and of course lucifer which is very 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 loosely based on the uh, <laughs> neil gaiman thing uh, which is the tv show which is also on netflix so i do wonder whether they might try and rope some of those people in maybe it would be difficult because the other series is so totally different and they're set very much in now reality lucifer is very much set now and um yeah it could be possible to do it as easter eggs and little cameos but i'm not sure they could tie it in fully without it having an adverse effect on the sandman series that's sort of interesting because the version of constantine that's on legends is very different to the version of constantine that was in the Constantine TV show as well so I mean he's had quite tonally a quite large shift so I I don't know you could maybe get away with that moving him across a little cameo of him walking through the background or asking someone a question and yeah spotting um, something and darting off into the distance but I think they need to keep some things a little bit separate because it gives you more freedom of uh, creative control on each individual one yeah and of course Lucifer the TV series is ending so you could do things with that character if you want to take it down a sort of darker turn after the TV show is ended you could maybe get away with with doing that and just have Tom Ellis still play the character I I don't know but you could you might outrage fans of the Lucifer TV show because that, it's, that is true Yes. It's awesome, but it is completely different. Yeah, that is true. They certainly appeared in the comic books and, and you know, we'll have to see whether they do pop up in the TV series. There's a wide cast of people they need to establish just for the, the primary cast of Sandman on its own. Yeah, it's going to be based around Preludes and Nocturnes, the uh, first uh, graphic novel. I'm assuming that was collection of of the yeah. individuals. So yeah, it's going to be based around Preludes and Nocturnes uh, for season one. Going to be exec produced by Neil Gaiman alongside David S. Goya. Uh, David S. Goya, very familiar to sort of DC properties, having worked on Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. He worked on Constantine, the TV series. He worked on Krypton. He's all over the comic book adaptations, uh, Game 
Damon's obviously Gaiman. Alan Heiberg, who's set showrunner, he has worked on The Catch and so it's like Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, The OC, Party of Five. He has written comic book stuff as well because he also wrote uh, Patty Jenkins' highly acclaimed Wonder Woman script and has written Younger Avengers. In fact, I think he came up with the Younger Avengers for Marvel. He has got a comic book background as well, despite the fact that he seems to have moved on to those Shondalandy kind of shows. Uh, but uh, yeah, he has got a comic book background. So, you know, he, he's going to be an interesting person to kind of develop it, I think. Gaiman's very much involved in co-writing as well. So it's yeah. not going to be... And he's good at writing. I mean, you look at that one episode of Doctor Who, he wrote the TARDIS turned into a human being for an episode. Yes. It, it stood out somewhat as different yes. from the rest of the episodes of the series. But yeah. it was it was pretty lovely. And that was considering that that episode was supposed to be part of the series before right yes and it had to be completely rewritten to because wow. everything had changed um in the meantime and it was still a really interesting fun piece of tv to watch and uh, it was one of my favorite episodes of, of that series and not just because neil gaiman wrote it but just because i found it uh, yeah. i, I love the whimsy of it yes no um, I, I really like that episode i thought it was fabulous he writes really relatable very out there unbelievable characters but somehow seem exceptionally grounded and relatable at the same time and yeah. that's a, it's an amazing skill I've always admired it the pilot I think he's actually being co-written with uh, Gaiman and Goya and then Alan Halberg is serving as showrunner Gaiman said on Twitter I'm hoping we can make something on television that feels as personal and true as the best of the Sandman comics did just set 30 years later than the Sandman comics so yes, I mean, with Gaiman actually writing behind it, I think that would make sense. It's interesting it's ended up on Netflix as well, because Gaiman actually has an overall deal with Amazon Studios, not Netflix. However, The Sandman, of course, doesn't belong to Gaiman directly. It belongs to DC slash Warner Brothers. Yeah, because it was a Vertigo release. Because it was a Vertigo release. Yeah. So I suspect that's why it's outside of the deal. And uh, they decided to go to Netflix rather than go to Amazon. And uh, if I was Netflix, you're going to pick up that series just to annoy Amazon, surely. And you're going to pick it up because there is a huge fan base that has exactly. never seen an adaptation of that. And if you do it right, yeah, that's going to bring in a vast amount of people wanting yeah. a, a Netflix subscription just to see it. I do think that Netflix is probably the right place for it. It does that sort of quirky off the wall thing a bit better it's got a there's a definite audience there for it i think so um they picked up happy i believe that they're willing to yes to they, do things well, which uh which yeah. i never thought would get adaptations when they say, turn around and say they're going to do trans metropolitan or something i'll, I'll be i'll yeah. be amazed but yeah i didn't expect happy to ever be on the screen let yeah, alone yeah, in, in the mean, form it was yeah i mean happy because happy was a netflix internationally sci-fi in the u.s and but they don't things like maniac as well um umbrella yes. academy arguably was something which you looked at and thought how on earth is they they're ever going to adapt this so i mean i think it is probably the right place for it definitely i'm very very much looking forward to seeing this there's no premiere date for it yet gaiman basically said they hadn't started writing it so far so <laughs> late 2020 is probably the earliest you're going to see it yeah we've waited 30 years i think we can yes wait the, a little bit longer for it to, be done to right. make sure it's right first yes yeah definitely. 
Moving on to other news, uh, over on Amazon, they're not short of large projects because they have got Lord of the Rings coming and they've finally announced their first director. It's going to be AJ Bayona, who is the director of uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which was was a good Jurassic World movie, actually. It was, you know, it, it was a good Jurassic sort of park Jurassic World movie. I think that he did a good job with that. So he is signed on to helm the first two episodes. So he's kind of setting the tone and the scene of it for those of you who don't know anything about the lord of the Rings series it is of course based on J.R.R. tolkien's lord of the rings it's set in the second age which is a long long time ago before the third age when uh, the fellowship went to mordor and bilbo met a dragon and all that stuff the second age hasn't really been seen on screen at all the only bit that we saw was the battle scene between the last alliance of elves and men and sauron which we saw at the start of the film trilogy i think we have seen little bits of it but the second age is uh, a huge period spans over three thousand years it includes things like that battle that i just mentioned uh, the forging of the rings uh, the founding of rivendell so there are a lot of things that you can play with in that i think um i'm glad they've finally found a director i think uh, i think this he's a he's an interesting person to to take up the helm well if he's been working on jurassic world films then he knows how to do epic yeah he's also mates with um del toro as well his first feature film was the critically acclaimed thriller the orphanage which was his actually produced by um del toro also directed the impossible starring naomi watson ewan mcgregor a monster's call starring sigourney weaver and leon neeson and he directed the first two episodes of penny dreadful as well but yeah i'm i'm quite excited for this i think this could be uh, could be a really interesting series because i mean i know it's going to upset a lot of tolkien scholars i'm absolutely adamant that's going to happen but i think that's going to happen no matter what you end up doing so you know <laughs> i'm definitely interested by it i haven't read and sort of been involved in a lot of the the media from the earlier bits of Tolkien history, but it's such a, a huge, expansive world. You're never going to wrap. It's like the Star Wars universe. Yeah. You can just point, keep yeah. writing. It's so big and there's so much there that you can just keep writing new epic things. I played some of the RPGs and, and hack and slash games that they've put together for Lord of the Rings and they've all been really interesting plot lines and there's so much you can fill in, not just about the characters we've already had, but the things they allude to, as you say, where they've shown flashbacks and when they're talking about the forging of the rings. Everything's epic. I, I don't know how anyone yeah. copes in, <laughs> in Middle Earth because they can't even walk to the shops to get a pint of milk without something epic happening. <laughs> it's it's just one of those worlds and being a quintessential fantasy book. I mean, the book that is now become, you know, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit is now what we think of as all the sort of stereotypical things almost of fantasy series is because they became so so quintessential of the genre because of his work. Yeah. They definitely brought it all to the forefront and it just appeals to so many people and is is pretty timeless. Absolutely. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this. I think you are, as I say, you are going to upset some people no matter what you do, as as I'm sure some of the movies upset some um, Tolkien purists as well. Um, yeah, lots of people shouting about how the trees were wrong. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> that was definitely a thing when they come out. Aragorn didn't ever shout in the books, let's kill some orc. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's fine. I'm not that fussed. Um, I, you know, and, and there is a there is a guideline 
for this it's a bit like you know things like star trek as well at this point you know there is there is like history sort of things set up tolkien wrote when events happen and he wrote in more detail about some of this stuff as well but uh as long as you're kind of not messing too much with the established history and you're kind of filling in gaps i think you're fine it's all good no news on when that's coming yet and i don't think there's been any casting yet either we'll have to wait for all that to arrive it's gonna be an expensive series <laughs> it is it is and it's already been picked up for multiple seasons as well because that was the only way they'd agree to it is if amazon bought multiple seasons so you know if we, we're gonna you're getting multiple seasons of it whether you like it or not <laughs> well hopefully we'll like it then <laughs> yes so hopefully we'll like it and hopefully it all goes well uh, but it is going yeah. to be very very expensive to to make we'll bring you more as we hear about it and lastly we have warner media who has ordered a bunch of shows recently for their new streaming service have ordered one particular one which i thought what catch you all right uh gremlins it's an animated gremlins prequel they've uh, ordered called secrets of the mogwai animated television adaptation that travels back to the 1920s shanghai to reveal the story of how a 10 year old sam wing future shop owner mr wing met the young mogwai called gizmo along with a teenage street thief named l sam and gizmo take a perilous journey through the chinese countryside encountering sometimes baffling and colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore. On their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure, they are pursued by a power-hungry industrialist and his growing army of evil gremlins. So, sounding very much like a child's cartoon sort of version of of Gremlins, I think, from that description, but um, it's going to be 10 episodes of uh, 30 minutes each and um, produced by Amblin Television in association with Warner Brothers Animation is the uh, setup for that. So, uh, Gremlins animated series? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I did always wonder how he got hold of Gizmo and why he then sold him as a pet. Yeah. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how they make that seem quite... Because it's one of those things you don't really question when you first watch Gremlins. It's just, of course, he's selling this strange creature that could destroy everything. How did he get it? Don't know. And I think that's quite a fun thought experiment. Yes, that is going to be interesting to see how they get around the fact that he did sell him. Yeah. Yeah. If they're Maybe supposed to be returning into his parents, and instead they they him up... in a shop some years later. Yes. Uh, interesting plot twist there. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to see how they get around that. But um, but yes, animated Gremlins. Why not? I would I would have much preferred to see a sort of grittier live action version of it. Maybe, but uh, you know, I'll take what I can get when it comes to Gremlins. Yeah. I mean, you think of things that seem like strange things to make cartoons of in the past, and I remember quite enjoying the Highlander cartoon series yeah and that absolutely. was a strange thing to make a children's cartoon series out and that very, worked quite very, well we, very much so we had a few back in the day it's kind of a, an old tradition make strange children's cartoon out of things children would never have seen the movie for yes that's absolutely right yes there was an awful lot of those around in the 80s um so why not sure <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it's like there's nothing to really be offended about with this decision no. it's just slightly baffling it may be fun or if it isn't we just shan't notice it exists yeah so i mean uh who knows when we'll get it over here because it is coming to the warner media streaming service um which hasn't yet got a name although it may be called hbo plus that's 
seems to be one name that's being touted around because Warner Media own uh, not only HBO, they own CW falls under that banner as CBS, Adult Swim, Cartoon Network, True TV, CNN, all the DC Entertainment stuff, New Line, TNT, TBS. There's, I mean, there's a whole stack of things that they own. So uh, they have got some interesting original content coming, though, for that streaming service. There's a, a June series, which is a spin-off from the movie, which is coming next year with Denny Villeneuve directing the pilot of the TV series. So it is going to be a direct tie into that movie version. So so I think they're hoping that movie version does quite well. Otherwise, that's going to really yeah, screw them up. Uh, so there's that coming, uh, which is called June the Sisterhood. There is a uh, Kaylee Klolu from Big Bang Theory. She is doing a dramatic role called The Flight Attendant, which is based on a best-selling novel, tells the story of a flight attendant who wakes up in a hotel room hung over from the night before in Dubai, only to discover she's lying next to a dead body, which I thought sounds quite interesting. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell from life experience that Bex knows about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to be at all be taken out of context later <laughs> no no not at all in a um, case <laughs> they've got a half hour rom-com called Love Life which is an anthology rom-com series uh, described as the journey from first love to last love and how people we meet along the way make us into who we are that's starring Anna Kendrick in the first season of that there is an adaptation of Made for Love which is a novel it's going to be directed by SJ Clark who uh, is doing currently doing the Game of Thrones prequel and just a whole bunch of other things. It's a dark half-hour comedy about a 30-something woman who goes on the run to escape her suffocating marriage to a controlling and possibly psychopathic tech billionaire. Unfortunately for her, discovers that he can track her and knows her every thought and feeling due to the fact that he has a monitoring device implanted in her brain. It's um, written by Patrick Somerville, who wrote the wonderfully bonkers Maniac. Yeah, so, In uh, which case, I'm immediately sold. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I think that sounds like it's going to be very weird and off the wall. Patrick Somerville's also writing uh, Station Eleven, which is another novel adaptation. This is a post-apocalyptic drama which spans multiple timelines and tells the stories of survivors after a devastating flu epidemic. So there's that coming as well. And they've got Tokyo Vice, which is based on the true memoirs of uh, an undercover reporter that uh, went to undercover with the Tokyo Vice police squad to root out corruption. It chronicles his daily descent into the neon-soaked underbelly of Tokyo where nothing and no one is truly what or who they seem. That one sounds like it could be kind of gritty and interesting because that's a sort of drama based on a true life thing. They've lined up quite a good set of original things to go out on that streaming service, but I don't think the streaming service is going to ever launch over here. So hopefully the individual shows will get picked up by different broadcasters in the UK, but we'll have to wait and see. So that's all the news we have for this week. Next up, we have an interview. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
The interview this week is with Maggie Phillips, who is a music supervisor. She will explain later on in the interview exactly what a music supervisor does. Uh, but she has worked on a um, series of really good shows. Uh, she's worked on Hulu's The Act, which you can get on Stars Play in the UK. Uh, Shrill, which is, I think, a Hulu series as well. Uh, she worked on Handmaid's Tale, Legion, um, Counterpart, which is a brilliant, brilliant show, a sci-fi show, which is also on uh, Stars Play in the UK. She also worked on Umbrella Academy and uh, Homecoming on Amazon. Uh, she's worked on a whole bunch of different films. There's a whole whole stack of things that we talk about in the interview. We go into some detail on Umbrella Academy particularly. Uh, the other thing she works on is Fargo as well, and uh, with the uh, fourth season, which is about to start. So she talks a little bit about Fargo season four as well. So um, here's the interview with Maggie. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> It's lovely to have you come on. I'm a huge fan of a number of the shows that you work on. So um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to having a bit of a chat. Before we get into any of the individual shows, uh, you're, you're listed as a music supervisor. Do you just want to sort of explain exactly what it is that your job entails? Yeah. And I will start by saying it varies from project to project. Um, right. But... In general, it is helping to find, select, and source the songs that you hear in a TV show or film, um, and then handle all the clearances, which right. is okay. the very unglamorous part of the job, but <laughs> the very the the bulk of the job. Yeah, and and the not fun part of the job. <laughs> um, and then on shows, you know, I think a common misconception with music supervisors is that we are control in control of the soundtrack, like it's our creative vision, and it's it's not, you know, some shows I work, some people I work with definitely do give me more license to do what I want to do. And then other shows, it's really the creator slash showrunners vision. And, and I'm there just to provide options, you know, and ultimately I'm not the, I'm not the decider, you know? Right. So so a lot of times in interviews, people ask me, why did you choose that song? And sometimes I want to say, I didn't want to choose that song, <laughs> you know, like, so it's, it, that's a hard part of the job and it's, it's hard to talk about in interviews. Yes. No, because you don't want to get in trouble with people that are hopefully going to hire you again. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. No, I very much get that. I can, I can understand that. Um, so how, how do you end up getting into a job like that? It honestly just sort of, just sort of fell in my lap. It was not something that I was pursuing. I, I had no goals to get, have a career in the film and TV industry at all. <laughs> I went to school for, for art. I was a painter for the first decade out of college. And, um, and that's my, my true love, but, um, it's hard to make money doing that. Yes. I tried, I tried for, for a good 10 years and, uh, and then moved to LA actually, cause I had family there to, to just stay with, um, I'm trying to make the story short to stay with family. They had a garage that I could use as my studio and it was just a money saving option. And I thought I was only going to be there for a year and then would maybe go back to Austin. <laughs> but, but what happened is my friends, Mark and Jay Duplass are filmmakers. And ah, yes. yes. Okay. 
And we were friends. We met at the very end of my college years. We both went to University of Texas at Austin, We all, the three of us. And so we got to be friendly after I graduated, but we were friends the whole, when in our twenties, we all lived together in New York city. And I was, and Mark was a musician and I was one of their friends. You know, I was the friend that was always making mixes and like handing out CDs and introducing people to new music. It was just, it's always been a passion. Of my, I mean, it's always been a, I've always been a huge fan, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just for my own personal reasons. And then when Mark and Jay started um, making movies, they started asking for my help. And um, it just sort of grew out of there. You know, it was, and it, you know, this was like almost 15 years ago at this point. And um, I had no clue what I was getting myself into, you know, <laughs> like a lot of people do. They think, oh, I get to pick out songs for TV shows or I get to like, you know, everyone tells me it's a dream job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that must be so cool. You get to pick. And it, it, and there is some parts of it that are really amazing and fun. But yeah, the, the, the whole business side of things that I had no clue what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I ended up being good at it. So here I am. So yeah, what you're saying is be friends with filmmakers and and be the person that makes the mixtapes. <laughs> well, I hesitate to say that because <laughs> that is not all that it's that No, no, obviously. Uh, but, but yeah, but uh but that's how it started for me. Yes. I think it's happening differently for people now because it's such a with the change in what's happening with TV and how, how yeah. much content there is out there. It's such a coveted position. People, people really do have a, a misconception of what the role is, I think. Yeah. And so people go into this. So many people want it. There's classes for it now. There's um, much more information. Like when I first started, there was a few books that I used as references. And, and I, I think now it's, it's a, it's a little easier to get information on the business end of things. Yeah. Like you say, the, the business side of things, it all, all seems lovely and fluffy, the kind of idea of being able to pick songs for for shows and then there's the whole sort of clearance and getting all that side of things and all the business yeah and, yeah. and just the nitty-gritty of it like you're not just picking the last song at the end of the episode you're dealing yeah. with all the on-camera performances and all the background library source and you know and i i tell people because i have people that want to work with me and I tell them that you might end up hating it. Like, don't, you know, I just need, and I've had some people that come and work with me and they're like, you know what, this isn't what I thought it was. And I'm moving on. And I've been like, Godspeed, go for it. I (laughs) understand. Yes. You don't want to be stuck in something you you don't want to be doing. So, (laughs) so in terms of some of the TV shows, I mean, there's some great things that you've uh, been involved with. I I think the, the big one that I would pull out most recently is uh, Umbrella Academy. Academy, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal series and uh, i've thoroughly thoroughly i was a fan of the comic books but i mean i love the series so much fun right just a lot of fun yeah amazing amount of fun i, I mean there is one very distinctive use of music in that which is the uh, the i think we're alone now section mm-hmm. um where did that come from was was that, that a direction choice that was steve blackman creator showrunner and he right. called me early on he and i met when i was at doing fargo he was one of the producers for slash right. writers on fargo and um so he and i started talking a lot about the music very very early on like he pulled us on before both me and jeffrey so the the composer, he pulled us on even before he started writing scripts and stuff, which is really early to come on board. But it was fun because we got to like just play around a lot with music in the beginning. And I think We're Alone Now was his, I think it might've been the first song he asked me about. And he's like, he asked me what my thoughts were about it. And I was very enthusiastic (laughs) because that 
song for me is the whole goal of the show. The music was to put in stuff that was fun and very nostalgic and um, playful, you know, mm. and, and and not too heady, not too obscure, you know, sort of just yeah. giving people what they want. And um, and so for that song, I have a very strong memory attached to it when I was 13 when the song came out. So I'm aging myself. But um, <laughs> I made up a dance routine with my two cousins. And, and I remember I remember parts of the routine like I it's so we we practiced it for like a whole day straight and so as soon as they said that song I was like oh my god that it has to be that and yeah I think since both really fell in love with that use it's everything sort of it was like a domino effect like once and and then Netflix really liked that that use and the way Steve had shot it or you know had work how it almost started feeling like a music video and um Netflix really liked that mm. part about it and and encouraged us to do more songs or you know to find more placements like that yeah and so that was sort of the instigating song yeah i can see that i and it, and it turns into a great sequence and uh we interviewed oh, some of the yeah. interviewed some of the actors um a while back for <laughs> it and i know they loved doing that sequence as well so well i think it was fun for them because it's the first episode and they're still kind of feeling their characters out and then they get to interpret how their characters would dance to a song and yeah. i think that's probably fun to be physical with with something like that and it's it was so much fun for me to see how they sort of approached that after when I got to see the scene. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you mentioned Jeff Russo there, who we've interviewed numerous times before. Um, it's a lovely guy. You worked with Jeff actually looking at, I'm just looking at the two IMDb pages. We yeah, quite a lot because uh, you both did Altered Carbon, which is another great show. You both did Legion, The Act, Fargo, Counterpart, yes, Umbrella Academy. We do a lot of shows together, and and it's because simply like we we love working with each other. He thinks I'm the best, and I think he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes I I think whenever we go into an interview, we're like you have to work with this person. We're always pitching ourselves for the job, and sometimes we position each other as a team, like ourselves as a team. Yeah. yeah he, He's one of my best friends. He's one of my closest friends. Aww. So, um, and the friendship grew out of working together on Fargo. Yeah. You know, at this point we've just developed a, a shorthand and it's, it makes for a more seamless process to creative aside, just like the, you know, the workflow. Yeah. In terms of some of the other shows, uh, Legion is one, which I, I mean, I'm trying to think of, it's been a while since I've seen the last season and we're coming up to the new one. So I'm trying to remember yeah. exactly what music was used in there because there must have been some pop music references used in that show. Yeah, we, we did a lot in the first season. We used a lot of, you know, what we you call the British Invasion. We had The Who yeah. and The Kinks. Oh, God, I would, it's been so long that I'd have to go back and look at the <laughs> list. Um, and then, oh, God, and of course, the Pink Floyd. That I mean, right, Pink yes. Floyd was the first reference Noah gave both me and Jeff. We He took us out to dinner and told us about what Legion was going to be about. And he that didn't, he, been, he, that must have been an interesting conversation <laughs> yeah yeah well he's so funny he talks about you know he's talking about the characters and the story and you know it sounds thrilling and we're having such a fun dinner and then we left and and then noah waits and this is very classic noah noah waits until the end of the evening and he looks at both me and japanese like dark side of the moon <laughs> and then he gets in his car, you know, and we, <laughs> so Jeff and I were like, just when I went home and I listened to the album from start to finish for the first time in many, many years, Yeah. email Noah in the morning, Jeff went back and I think he 
that night might have purchased the same synth that they used for their that oh, album. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was that night or the next day, but he immediately went and got that that synth. But so so that Jeff really ran with that with the, that reference in the score. And then we had actually got to do the direct reference at the end of the season. We we licensed Breathe and On the Run. Right. It's a great show. It's it's bonkers and horribly it's confusing so in places, but yeah. but it's just it's fabulous, fabulous. I, I I love having things like that out there that I mean I know it's coming to an end, but I mean what a wonderful little thing to, to exist. It's not it's not for everyone. I mean it's a challenging show and yeah. it's and it's very visual and it's, yeah, like you said, it's confusing and you have to really be present for it. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think there's anything else like the, that no. on TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, it's, it was such a joy to work on that. I, I'm sad it's ending, but I know yes. I get to keep working with Noah on other stuff. So <laughs> I will continue to be challenged by him. Yes. Yeah, totally. Another thing you worked on was Counterpart, um, <laughs> which I, I loved. I know that's that's been... Sadly and, came to an end. Sadly was, came to an end. But uh, yeah. I I adored that show. I interviewed that's quite a lot so of the cast good. for that. Um, yeah. It's such a wonderful series. And uh, in terms of coming to the music for that, you've obviously got these these kind of two sides in the show was, mm-hmm. was there some challenge involved in selecting music that appeared on either side of the divide yes i mean we we had to um we thought about it a lot especially in the first season and you know it's hard to come up with what would be on the other side yeah. we definitely i think the year was in the 90s i, I might be saying 94 because that was my high school graduation but i think it was right around there that the divide would supposedly happened yes and so we tried to keep that limit there but then also there was bleed over between the two worlds so there yeah. were times that we did have some like contraband music playing <laughs> i think it's season two and then also i mean just to be totally frank that show had a very tiny budget so right. um it was primarily jeff on that on that show like right. it was a very score driven show and so when we did get to use songs it was more about jk simmons character right and, yeah. and and sort of like who is this person and we used a lot of soul especially for howard and not prime but just sort of he's he was such a tragic character and i i felt like i don't know whenever i sat with him <laughs> in music i wanted to, i wanted to feel that tragic rawness and vulnerability like anyway so the soul like we started actually uh, what was written into the first script um it was not james carr it was something else and then i pitched james carr for the end and justin really loved it so we went with that and i loved working on that show god and justin was such a delight to work with like he really trusted me with music and um it was fun i wish it hadn't ended yeah yeah it's it's one of those shows that really i think could have continued for a while it's such a shame that they didn't keep it keep it going so in terms of uh, some of the other shows you worked on um what was your your favorite thing to uh, work on musically well picking favorites is hard to do <laughs> i know i know i maybe i shouldn't ask you your favorite or, or one, I, one that springs to mind maybe i have to say and i i don't think anyone else i work with would be surprised but working on fargo with noah Holly yeah is yeah is is the highlight and we're starting season four now and um i am having so much fun listening for it and uh, I think I can be frank and say I like to work on shows where I get to have a little more creative involvement. And, and um, you never know what show is going to be like, like that the act was 
the act was a pleasure to work on and Nick and I worked very closely together and it was so much fun to listen for that show. I, you know, I like it when I get to really listen instead of doing the nuts and bolts. So those are the shows that are fun for me. Shrill was another one. I can't wait for season two of Shrill to start up with the Hulu show starring AD Bryant. Um, yeah. I loved working with those ladies and, and they really trusted me with the music and it was so much fun. So yeah, the running theme are the shows that I get to be more creative on are my favorite shows, <laughs> but I love them all. Yeah. I mean, uh, the act, which I haven't managed to catch yet, but it's, it's going out in the UK on stars play over here, which oh, is, okay. a, so it, which is a kind of Amazon channel that looks kind of interesting doing something which is true crime related. Yeah. Um, and which is actually my favorite genre. Like I I love true crime. I, and, um, it was fun. It's a good show. It's a, it's a very solid show. And, uh, the performances are really phenomenal by Patricia Arquette and Joey King. And then, um, what's the guy's name? Callum Worthy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. He's brilliant. They all are. I mean, yeah, I just, I had fun. Like that was the type of show that I would get a new episode in my email to me and I would stop everything so I could see what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So some, I try some non some, some shows like that not to read the script so so i get the the pleasure yes. of watching a show you know yeah but we didn't i mean we didn't use a ton of source but the songs we did choose we were very thoughtful about and um just tried to play up mostly joey king's character um gypsy rose blanchard um such a complex character and the sort of balance of the naivete and innocence like forced innocence and force because the story is that she's really 21 22 her mother's been telling her she's 14 like she never was allowed to grow up and um slowly over the course of the show she starts learning the truth and that's i'm not giving you a spoiler because yeah yeah and so as she starts discovering what's going on and 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 really throws her into a dark sort of spiral the music goes darker and it was it was fun to play with those two like there was her romantic kid side and you know fantasy world and then there was also her femme fatale side right yeah yeah which was also loaded too because is she really a femme fatale i mean not at all so (laughs) you know we just played around with it it was it was a complicated character to work that looks like it's going to be a really interesting series and i love true crime as well so it's it's one i'm definitely going to go and uh, yeah, catch up with on watch it yeah it's it's a fun it's also a fast like you just want to keep going so it's a, it's a yes. quick watch so in terms of uh, other things what have you got anything coming up you can talk about well like i mentioned before the one i'm really excited about is fargo season four which is starting to get be cast right. i don't know if they've announced them they've only announced chris rock i think at this point but, yes i think so but the other cast in choices are equally as inspired and um they have announced it's going to take place in the 40s 50s um yes yeah, I know the exact year, but I guess I'm. I, they like you know they like keeping things under wraps. So <laughs> so I'm excited to know, and I have a plan of how we're going to approach that in in this contemporary in our contemporary world. Uh, how we're going to approach a, a period piece. We might not be as true to period as we were with Fargo season two, which was set in '79. Right. Um, so we're just exploring a bunch of options right now, and that's just fun when I get to do all that research. Um, I'm working on a few Hulu shows reprisal, which with the Warren Littlefield's company, um, which is sort of a dark twisted genre, smashing revenge thriller, uh, with a female lead. It's going to be very cool. That will come out next year with great music. I love the, the main guy, Josh Corbin has fantastic. 
And then um, also, I should mention I'm starting Umbrella Academy season two. That started. Oh, um, fabulous. Yeah. And then um, also a new show called The Great, which is uh, written and produced by Tony McNamara, who is responsible for The Favorite. Sorry. Right, yeah. Ella Fanning and Nicholas Holt and oh wow we're in the beginning stages of that it's so good I'm so excited to be on this one but um there's not gonna be a lot of scores I think it's gonna be a primarily score but it's it's still beginning stages I'm excited for people to see that I've got a lot of cool projects coming up for me. <laughs> well I as I say I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing particularly the act because that's one that I haven't caught yet but uh those other shows sound good as well um last couple of questions first one is what tv shows are you watching at the moment you know, I just finished season two of Barry and I think it's right. I mean, everyone's talking about it as they should be. I think it's such a great show. Um, it's so well written. And and my friend Liza does the music for that show. And I think um, the source cues are really smart. And I, I like their restraint. I like that there's not I actually emailed her about this this morning. I like that it's not littered with songs and, and it's done very efficiently. And, and the choices are very purposeful. I think it's really well done. And then David Wingo's score is great, too. But yeah, just a fun show to watch. Um, and um, Bill Hader is so good <laughs> yeah i'm just like i have a massive crush on him just because of his <laughs> talent and then um i'm watching turn chernobyl which i would say wrong oh um, yes yeah really that's enjoying that fabulous yeah uh, yeah that's it right now as far as what i'm into i watch a significant amount of cooking shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i guess you you find that with a lot of people working tv you either find that it's like they've spent their entire day looking at a screen so they don't watch any tv for pleasure or the stuff that they do watch tends to be like cooking shows and yeah yeah that sort of stuff so yeah so you, I'm, it, no matter what i watch i'm thinking about this how it's made i'm thinking about the score i'm thinking about the song choices i'm, I'm looking up an imdb who did it yeah. you know so I'm still in my work mode when I chopped is my all-time favorite show. I love chopped so much. And when I'm watching chopped, I'm just, yeah. you know, I work so much, I work so many hours. So to have a little escape is nice. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, it can be from past, present or something future, not one you've worked on, which show would it be? Oh my God. I'm trying to think like as a fan, I would have loved to have worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, great choice. Yeah. Yeah. As far as what would challenge me in the future, I'd love to work on a show that's almost silent. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like there's so much, we have so much music out there, so much content. There's so many shows with tons of great music. I'd rather work on a show that has one song in the whole season, but it's the perfect song. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think a challenge sometimes is like I said with Barry is, is the restraint and uh, yeah yeah I I think that would be something I would welcome yes that's good good answers definitely <laughs> all right well I shall let you get back to your uh, your day and uh, yeah, back to work it's nice <laughs> talking to you I really appreciated all the questions and stuff this was a good interview thank you no problem at all I I really like talking to you too you'll have to come back on when uh, maybe when the next file goes out or something please yeah <laughs> I would love I, I want i want to talk about it i just can't yet so. yeah no absolutely maybe get you and jeff on together that would be fun that would be fun yeah we've done that a few times before it's fun i'm sure we'd do a jeff interview at some point so maybe when the next fargo season comes out yeah let's do it let's Sounds do that great. awesome well have a good night over there uh, yes and have a good day <laughs> <laughs> thank you all right I'll talk to you soon talk to you soon so that was the interview with maggie phillips hope you enjoyed that uh the actors we mentioned you can find on stars play uh the handmaid's tale is of course 
on Channel 4 in the UK. Umbrella Academy is, of course, on Netflix. So uh, go and check those out. Now we have some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV. We have LA's Finest, which is a female-led spin-off from the Bad Boys movie franchise starring Jessica Elba and Gabrielle Union. Are you a fan of the Bad Boys films? They're okay. They're quite fun. I am a fan of Jessica Alba, though, and I haven't seen her in many things recently at all so True. I think it's nice for her to get get a lead on on something new so I think that's probably what would draw me in the most yeah I think it's been renewed for a second season as well so LA's Fine is coming to Fox UK on the 10th of July at 9pm for that Outlander the third season of that um, so that's not the latest season that's the third season for those of you watching on More 4 that's coming 10th of July at 9pm as well love Outlander it's a great series so um, worth watching Departure season one of that coming to Universal TV which is a conspiracy thriller stars Do Grace Scott is one of the cast in that that's uh, 10th of July as well uh, not got a time for that I'm not sure when that's arriving Harlots season three of that which I know has bounced around a couple of different channels in the UK it's now settled on Stars Play third season of Harlots is coming on the 11th of July Agatha Raisin season two of that which was a sort of uh, comedy amateur sleuth series uh, was dropped by Sky but then was picked up by a US TV company called Acorn TV that sort of specialises in importing British comedy and drama and stuff uh, and they picked it up as an original series and made a second season and then Sky bought it back again off them <laughs> so uh, season 2 of Agatha Raisin coming to Sky 1 on the 12th of July at 9pm then we've got uh, You Me Her season 4 of that is coming to Netflix on the 12th of July. Uh, Poldark, the fifth season of that, coming on the 14th of July to BBC One at 9pm. People waving goodbye to a shirtless Aidan Turner. You've got uh, People of Earth, second and uh, final season of that because it was cancelled after two seasons. It's a comedy about a support group for alien abductees. That's coming to Fox on the 15th of July at 10pm. Season two of The Outpost, which is a fantasy adventure series about a female hero with superpowers defending her world against fanatical religious dictatorship uh, sci-fi uk for the outpost 15th of july at 9 p.m harrow season two comes to alibi on the 16th of july at 9 p.m uh, that's a good medical series i think it's a coroner in that if I remember correctly, uh, but that's definitely worth watching. And lastly, Elementary returns for its seventh and final season to Sky Witness on the 16th of July at 9pm. And I'm really interested to see what they do with that because mild spoilers for the end of season six, if you've not seen it, they end up in London at the end of season six. And it seems they're still there at the start of season seven. So um, that could morph into a bit more of a traditional London-based Sherlock thing, which, I mean, set in modern day, obviously, but that sounds like it could be quite interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they end that. Sky Witness, 16th of July at 9pm for that. And that's everything. Unless you've got anything else you want to mention? No, I think we've covered plenty. I do need to catch up on Elementary. I'm really excited to see how it finished because I love that series. It is really good. It's a really fun show. So, where can they go and find your various broadcasting things? Various broadcasting things. That's an awesome way of saying geeky stuff. 
I can be found as Trista Bites, spelt B-Y-T-E-S, because I thought I'd make a geeky pun and then realised it was really difficult to explain that on podcasts and I should have gone <laughs> with something that was more phonetic. Uh, but I can be found on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Twitch now as well. And I also put up some articles and videos on the geektown.co.uk website. Go and check out her Twitch streams. They are very funny and you can insult her at the same time, which is great because you can do that's, it that's live. That's a big selling point. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I'm finding that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for us obviously geektown.co.uk throughout the week for all the latest air date info want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.